Well, if we haven't done so for you personally yet, we want to extend a very warm welcome to you. Welcome to University Drive Alliance Church. And uh, I've just been so blessed this morning to be able to worship together with our faith family and spend time together. Now we want to turn into God's Word and spend a few moments there. And as we do, uh, kids, I want to tell you some really good news. Are you ready for this? I think that you can actually count on your two hands the number of hours that's left until summer break begins. Isn't that awesome? You're no longer anticipating summer. Pretty soon, you're going to be participating in it. And this is good news. Our family loves summer. We love spending time with folks like yourselves, and we did uh, this even last night, sitting out on a deck, eating really good food, having really good company, laughing lots, spending time outdoors, visiting family and friends, and getting on into a road trip. How many of us love a good road trip? I'll tell you this, if you have a road trip with the Moors, we're not stopping at McDonald's for lunch. We're going to find a quaint little mom and pop shop, a boutique sandwich shop, or a coffee shop, and we're going to sit down and have a time together. We love to get out on the road, and we're going to be doing this in a few weeks. Uh, We're driving up to Fort St. John. Pray for us as we do that. Uh, It's going to be a long trip, uh, but we're looking forward to a great time together. You know, one of the best vacations we ever had was uh, a number of years ago when we lived in BC, and we didn't have a lot of money, and we thought we should go away but we didn't know what. And so what we discovered or what we decided to do was that we were going to go to Vancouver and do every single free thing we could. And so instead of Capilano Suspension Bridge, we went to Lynn Valley Suspension Bridge. Instead of going to a really cool wave pool or aquatic center, we went to Centennial Beach. We hit every park. We did Stanley Park. We did Steveston. We tried to do everything we could. And it was actually one of the best times we ever had. But you know what made that vacation special? Yeah, we saw some really neat things. We saw the beauty of God in creation. But what was special was the relational time we had together. And it strikes me that year in and year out, as we measure our holidays and we look forward to them and anticipate them, at the back end of our time, what really counts is the relationships that we share with the people around us. And so looking forward to this summer, you know, as much as I love to look back, it's at this time of year that I love to look forward, and I'm anticipating that, there's going to, that this is going to be another great season. And i got to be honest with you, after what we've been going through for the last couple of years, and just with a busy, uh, frenetic pace here in June, we really need to have a good summer. And so with that in mind, uh, we want to take the next couple of weeks, this week and next, to talk about a formula for a great summer. And... Surprise, surprise, it has less to do with the places we're going and the things that we're going to do, and it has more to do with the time and the people that we're going to spend with. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 22. If you're following us online this morning, there's a button on the online uh, church platform, and you can click on that. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. I'm going to read this for us, and then we'll take the next few minutes to flesh it apart. I'm going to give you this uh, warning too. I might cough this morning. I did a test. I don't have COVID. I'm on the back end of a cold. I got a nasty little uh, cough that's holding on, uh, but I'm not going to pass forward anything and I'll be careful. So if you hear this, don't be alarmed. Uh, But that distraction aside, let's read God's word and let's anticipate much from him here today. Matthew 22, 
starting in verse 34. I was on the wrong passage. Let's read these words. Here we go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, I believe that as we look at these coming days with some anticipation, we're also doing so with some depletion in our tanks. And we could label this depletion with lots of different words. We could call it restlessness. We could call it weariness. We could call it discouragement. Call it whatever you want. But I believe that this summer needs to be more of a win rather than just another season of making us tired. And so this morning, I want to talk to us about a strategy based out of this passage we've just read that I believe has capacity to fill our tanks, a formula, if our will, if you will, uh, that will help us to rebuild and grow to ensure that summer is all that we hope for and need for it to be. But it strikes me as I share this with you, friends, that um, as I say this, that summer needs to be more of a win in here than it needs to be a win out there. And so as we look forward to this strategy, what I want to do is establish a heart foundation that will hopefully fuel us no matter what summer brings, a foundation for refreshment and regrowth that will cause us to come out on the other side blessed. So often when we get into low places in life, we have to go back to fundamentals or foundations or basic principles and and find out where our true love is once again. And, And this is the case in many different areas. I'll give you some examples. When couples get to certain markers in their married life, sometimes they need some refreshment or they need to be reminded of what brought them together again. And I could go through and share with you some other time the marriage satisfaction chart, but uh, uh, psychologists have actually marked out places in the life of married couples where stress and tension will come. And what they need to do is they need to go back and they need to practice some basic things. And so oftentimes... Oftentimes, marriage counselors will say to couples, you know, at 20 and 30 and 40 years, you guys need to go back and try dating again. You need to try flirting. You need to leave little love notes, uh, you know, in drawers or on the fridge or on the countertops or on a nightstand. You need to sneak a kiss once in a while. And in doing that, as couples practice through this, they can discover the passion and the joy and the life that they first knew when God brought them together. Similarly in sports, when athletes get out of rhythm or out of step, when they get into a funk, lots of times they'll practice the fundamentals or the basics, and they'll, they'll, they'll retool or they'll, they'll practice those pieces to help get into a healthy rhythm again. And so baseball players will practice even how they grip the ball, how they grip the bat. They'll practice batting and swinging. They'll even practice running the bases. And then to bring joy back to the game, they'll scrimmage. And what can happen if a player's in a funk when they go back to the basics and they have fun and they find the joy and the love that they first had when they started into that sport? Whatever that sport may be, they can snap out of that funk and it can can sort of heal them or it can lead them forward. And very similarly, in the Christian life, when we get out of step or when we get into these ruts, these spiritual ruts, we oftentimes need to go back to the beginning and be reminded of of who our first love is. 
of what he's done for us, of how he's transformed us. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Winnipeg. I was attending the uh, memorial service for my grandmother who passed away last fall. She was 97 and a half years old. She barely suffered in the end. She was an amazing woman. And I attended this service thinking that uh, I would be there to uh, be a part of my family. And there's a few of our family who are here this morning. And uh, we would be together as a family. But what I didn't realize was, what the, was when the pastor preached how it would touch my heart and fill my tanks again. It filled me and renewed me. And the pastor preached from, uh, from a passage I'm going to share with you in just a moment. And as he did, it significantly touched my heart. And it helped me look forward and look past some of the ruddy places of my life. And it lifted me into a new place again, like Psalm 40 talks about. So I want to read to you a passage that he shared with us that morning. And as I read this to you, I want you to go back in your mind's eye to your salvation moment. That moment where you got stuck with Jesus. And allow these words to remind you of the work that he did in you and for you. And then we'll talk about it for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says this, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, so God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that day the pastor fleshed apart the two realities of God's nature, the just part of God's nature and the loving part of God's nature. And he shared when God reconciled the world to himself through Christ, it changed us, not just for life, friends, but for eternity, not just for the day-to-day moments, but for eternity. And in doing so, God gave to us the most incredible gift that we could ever receive. Jesus mentions our name in the presence of the Father. And out of that, we have a relationship with him, with God. And if we understand the gravity of what was just said, we recognize that in order for for us to have a relationship with the almighty God of the universe, a good man didn't have to just die in a horrible way. In asking the question, what did God do for us? We find the heart of the gospel here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, Scripture tells us that God is a righteous judge, and because he is perfect in his justice and perfect in his holiness, he demands perfection. He demands perfect obedience. And because of his holiness, judgment became a byproduct of his nature. God can't stand to be in the presence of sin, of wrongdoing. And this creates a huge problem for every single human being, myself included, because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we're in trouble because of even just one sin and we've all sinned, then we have to be honest and say we are absolutely hooped because we've all committed more than just one. 
God can't simply overlook our sin, or we can't hope that we're going to die on a day that God's in a good mood. It's got to be more than that, something deeper than that. And this creates a massive problem that only God can solve. On that day, the pastor shared with us, and he said this, and it struck me. What is, I ask you this question, what is the only character or the only part of God's character that's mentioned in triplicate in the scriptures? Do you know? This was interesting. It's his holiness. Isaiah 6 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. How can we hope to stand before a triple holy God of everything when our lives are so inconsistent and so broken? The answer is solved in only two words. Just Jesus. It's a simple equation. Helene Chavidian in his book uh, writes and he says, it's Billy Graham's grandson, he says, and the book, I forgot the book, the title is Surprised by Grace. He says there, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That simple equation transforms us. And it was at the cross of Christ that the justice of God and the love of God collided. And it's here that we know Jesus, God's son, who lived a perfect life, the life that God required of each one of us uh, because of his perfect justice, that where Jesus gave his life on the cross out of perfect love, only his perfect life would become the sacrifice that God needed to save us from our sins. And in these moments, as he hung on the cross, God revealed that he's not only a just God, but that he's a perfectly loving God as well. He can't stand sin, and so he did something about it. He reconciled himself, or he reconciled us to himself. He revealed his perfect love, and he showed to us that uh, that we matter, that we're valued, that we're cherished, and that we're loved. He brought us into relationship through Jesus, and he created a pathway for us to have a relationship with him and to live with him through, for the rest of eternity. He gave to us his Holy Spirit. And so God poured out every ounce of wrath from every believer, from every sin ever committed, and he consumed it all, and he dealt with it all. And why did he do this? He did it on our behalf. This is how God solved the problem of love and justice. He did it through just Jesus. And when these two entities collided on the cross and Jesus received our sinfulness, by faith we received him and we were declared righteous people. We were declared, in a sense, by faith, triple holy people before the almighty God because God dealt with all of our sins. Every word, every action, every wrongdoing, everything you've ever done, friends, has been wiped clean. Do you remember the old chorus? We used to sing it in our church growing up at communion time. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins are as scarlet, Lord, I know that I've been forgiven. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is good news. The angels declared it. This is good news of great joy for all the people. Jesus has come. This is stuff that many of us have heard time and time again. But I'm convinced that in the spiritual ruts of life, we need to be reminded of this. This needs to be like the bomb for our souls, B-A-L-M. It also needs to be a bomb that's thrown in the room and explodes in front of us to tear apart the scales and the hardness that gets built up inside of our heart and transforms us to be blessed, 
joy-filled people again. Just Jesus. And so coming back to Matthew 22, when, it, when Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then love your neighbors yourself. How do we do this? Well, friends, we have to go back to the gospel. We have to go back to the foundation, the basics of our faith, and be reminded of what God has done for us. And as we do that, out of, out of profound love and out of profound transformation, live our lives different moving forward. Do you remember your salvation moment? Maybe it was a season of your life. Jim, who's uh, here in the back, was up on the ta- in the baptismal tank last Sunday, shared his testimony. I've heard from many of you how it touched your heart this last week. And if you missed it, you need to go on YouTube and search University Drive Alliance Church, June the 19th. Look for Jim Lamb's testimony. It is awesome. God pursued him. God transformed him. God blessed him and God touched him. And I saw it in his face today. He's filled with joy. And God does the same for you and he does the same for me. That moment, mine was... Oh, like 104 years ago now, 40, 40, uh, sorry, 37 years ago, beside my bed with my father who's in the room, praying to receive Jesus and the gift of salvation. One of the gifts of salvation in that moment was a distinct, profound memory of the joy that filled my heart. It doesn't escape me. And the same is true for your story. If you think back to the moment you got stuck with Jesus, There's a joy-filled, memorable reality there. But that's not just a memory, friends. It's just not a future hope. That's something that Jesus can do in us even here today as we reflect on his goodness. It fills us for eternity and it transforms us every day. It renews us. And this summer moving forward, we need to be a gospel-centered people who reflect on the gospel message, on salvation, on transformation, on just Jesus. Because it's a gift that he gives to us that's ongoing and is a present reality. Friends, I am so hopeful for this next season. I'm looking forward to eating some really good food, to to creating some really good memories, to doing some really crazy things, and hopefully I can produce the pictures to prove it. But more than anything, I'm looking to have a deep season with Jesus. And I want to encourage you what I, in what I believe could be a great formula to ensure that summer 2022 is one of the best that you'll ever have. I want to encourage you that this could be a season that lifts us and touches us way more than a perfect circumstance ever could. Anything that something here on earth could ever provide, Jesus wants to step in and Jesus wants to touch So let me suggest four things, and we'll go through these relatively quickly. Four things that are a part of this formula. It's not a perfect formula, but it's something to get us started on that will help you to find hope and be spurred on in a blurry season. And the first thing is this. The first thing that we do to celebrate, uh, to, to, to have a great summer is to celebrate Jesus regularly. It's to establish a rhythm where we're reminded of the gospel every single day. A couple of years ago, 2018, I had a dark night of the soul and I went into a dark, deep funk. And in that time, God, one of the things God showed me was he, he started to show me that I needed to start praying differently. And so I started to pray and it, 
Most of my prayers each day go something like this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness in our lives. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And what I discovered in praying this way is that it brought Jesus to the center of my day and it started to change the focus of how I looked uh, at the day moving forward. I started to watch for, for Jesus in the center of the things that I did. And as I prayed this way, I started to feel the lift of the cross because it created a gospel-centered reality in me. It caused me to immediately look to Jesus. And so I started to pray this way And over the course of weeks and months and even years, I felt that lift and I felt that transformation. Another way that I've learned to celebrate Jesus daily is that I pick up my, well, I don't pick up my phone, it sends me a push notification. But through the U version of the Bible on my phone, every day it sends me scripture. And every day as I get up and stumble across our bedroom, I look at my phone and I'm reminded of that scripture. And as I get ready in the morning and curl my hair and do the things that I do, I meditate on those words. Do you know what's cool? They've been getting ready for this morning. Uh, God has been sending me gospel-centered scriptures week in, or day in and day out. And he's reminding me of this work that he's done in me and for me. Just Jesus. And then, one of the things that I've learned to do as well is just worship God. And I love, we've got a, subscription to Apple Music, and so we turn on, you know, Sunday morning, this morning, I turn on, there's this band I love, they sing kind of older songs in an upbeat or newer style, they're called Shane and Shane, and I just listen to worship music, songs that declare the work of Christ in me, that song we just sang, Chris Tomlin redid, crowned him with many crowns, he redid it, I love singing that song, it declares Christ, it declares him as king, not songs that are like Jesus is my girlfriend, songs that declare the truths of scripture, lots of times, and maybe it's because I'm getting old now, and starting to bald a little bit, but I love going back to the old hymns of the faith, declarations, songs that, that remind us of the work of Christ, and the nature of Christ, and the person of Christ. And I love our new modern worship songs, but there's something about some of those old hymns that are declarative and help me in that. The first piece is to celebrate Jesus, to do it regularly, not in a religious way, but in a relational way, and be reminded of God's uh, central work in our life. The second part of the formula is to be available to Jesus. It's to remember that our God is a relational God, that he loves to spend time with us. In fact, this is the way he created us. God created us in his image, and in his image, we were created. And so if God lives in a relational context within the Trinity, he created us for relationship as well. And he just loves to show up in our lives day in and day out. And I think in our present culture, this is a piece that often gets missed. It for sure is in my life, friends. This past month has been one of the busiest we've ever had in our lives as a family. And yet there was a moment when I was back in Winnipeg in the beginning of June where I was reminded of this in a powerful way. We had this amazing weekend as a family. We gathered together for my grandma's service and then we had moments where we were out at my cousin's farm. I stayed at another cousin's house. Amazing moments where we celebrated together and were together. And then on Tuesday that I was flying home, I had the entire morning all to myself in Winnipeg. What in the world do you do in Winnipeg on a Tuesday morning? 
Actually, I love Winnipeg. There was tons to do. But here's what I did. I went down to a place called the Forks. Is anybody familiar with this spot? The Forks is one of Canada's best-kept secrets. It's, it's the place where the Red River and the Cinnaboyne River intersect. And there's this old market trade hub that's there that they've revitalized. And I went down because my cousin's wife told me they had the best cinnamon buns in town. And beside the cinnamon bun place, there was a place to buy coffee. So I bought this, and I'm sitting by myself in the, in the cafeteria area, and I was eating my cinnamon bun, and it was so delightful. And then I had my cup of coffee. And I'm a slow sipper, so I drank it slowly. And I got out of the place, and what I didn't realize is that there's all this parkland all behind the forks and the Johnson building, I think it's called. And I found this table and I sat down and I put my cup of coffee there and I watched the Red River and I could hear the gentle hum of the city. I could feel the gentle uh, spring breeze on my face. And as I sat there, Jesus showed up. And we didn't say a lot, but Jesus just blessed and touched my soul. And I was reminded there of the words. We read it earlier. God is so good. We didn't plan that Psalm 23 was going to be read earlier. The Holy Spirit just made it happen. And hear these words once again as I read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I learned this week that the Arabic literal translation says, He brings back my soul. This is what Jesus did for me on the banks of the Red River. As I sat there and drank my coffee, I just sat in awe of Jesus. And for days following that encounter and that meeting and that coffee with Jesus, he lifted me. And I wonder, friends, in the frenetic pace of life right now, if some of us need to just slow down and be available and have coffee with Jesus. This summer, to go out on our decks and our patios, go for walks or hikes or bike rides, or if you're like me and Jim Lamb and others in this room, to go fishing. Get out in creation and just enjoy time with Jesus. Jesus can lift you and he can transform you. And in the simplicity and quietness of a moment, some of our moms in the room are like, I just want a moment. Don't lose heart or don't lose sight of the work that Jesus can do there. He brings back our soul so much more than a great holiday or a great experience or an expensive dinner can do. Sometimes we need to just peel back the distractions. Maybe we need to get up 10 minutes or 15 minutes earlier and just sit and let Jesus touch us. He's our shepherd. He loves to spend time with us. The third piece of the formula in listening to Jesus and loving him with all our heart and soul as mind is to to make an investment into where he's leading us to. Is to take time to listen to what he's saying to us. And I believe that Jesus speaks to us in his word and he speaks to us through his quiet whispers and he speaks to us through the wise counsel of others. Last week, a dear friend of mine, who's in this room, I won't embarrass him, but a dear friend of mine emailed me a scripture verse that God had laid on his heart for me, and it lifted me. God spoke to me through that verse. 
And I think that so often in life, friends, that Jesus is quietly whispering to us, but we're not creating space in the economy of our lives and our relationship with Jesus to lean in and pay special attention or make special efforts to pay attention to how he's leading us moving forward. What if loving God with all our hearts and all our souls and all our minds meant that we were going to pay special attention to what's important to God and what he's leading us to do? And what if loving him means that we actually step forward in the things that mattered? It might be that the the investment of this next summer for you means that you're uh, reaching out and making renewed efforts to make investments into things like uh, serving the poor in our community or helping people Uh, taking people for coffee who are lonely. One of the things that God's been whispering into my heart is the need for community within our church and within our community. And in the different circles that I travel, taking opportunity to gather people together and having fun with them. Like actually leaning back and laughing hard. Maybe for some of us, uh, listening to God and listening to Jesus and, and having courage to step forward means that We make the effort to make things right with another person again. And can I just say that that could be the answer to a massive prayer in another person's life. If God pulled at your heartstring and you approached another person and said, look, I just feel like something's off and I want to do something about it. Can we talk about it? Can we reconcile as Jesus called us to or Paul calls us to in 2 Corinthians 5? Can we be agents of reconciliation? Can we reconcile with one another and figure this out? That might be the answer to a prayer. And it might be the healing balm of Jesus working through you and touching another life. Friends, let's be more invested into the quiet whispers of Jesus than we are about trying to do the right thing in our culture's eyes. Let's place more value in in doing what Jesus wants than the latest fads or being... Uh, politically correct. Let's be about celebrating who he is, about making famous um, his name and, and, and his person. Let's share Jesus with others and as, he, as we listen to him, have the courage to actually step into what he's leading us to. It might be as simple, husbands, and I'm super guilty of this, of Just slowing down for one moment instead of rushing out of the house to work in the morning, of slowing down and stopping and looking at your wife and saying, good morning, beautiful, how are you doing? And giving your wife a kiss on the cheek before you go. It might be with your kids. It might be with a friend reaching out and saying, it's been a long time. But I believe that as we listen to Jesus, we will discover a refreshed rhythm of life that will build us up and bring us back rather than attempting to defeat us again. Celebrate Jesus. Be available to him. Listen to Jesus. And the final thing is make Jesus famous. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because I believe this is going to lead into what Pastor Brian's going to share next week. But I believe that loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and loving your neighbor as yourself means that we invest into making Jesus famous with people around us. And here's a really simple way we can do that. When you're with your loved ones, family, friends, neighbors, whoever, take the risk of telling them of some of the cool things that Jesus has done in your life in this last season. I frame it this way sometimes. Paint pictures of Jesus in the world around you. Serve people, invite people, help people, 
bless people in Jesus' name. And sometimes we don't even have to overtly say, God told me to do this. You can just show up and pick up the broom or the rake. Friends, I have no idea what summer's gonna bring to us. I'm praying that there's not gonna be more natural disasters or more political turmoil. I'm praying that, that we could even move past a pandemic. But whatever's in front of us, take heart. Have hope. Be encouraged. Jesus is on the throne. He's in the business of changing lives. He's doing good things for you, and even in a frenetic season, he wants to lift you and restore you. And at the end of the day, when we look back, maybe even 10 years from now, when we look back, we're going to be able to say, you know what made the difference in 2022? Just Jesus. With that in mind, I want to invite the worship team to come. And as they come, I want to remind us of the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to finish by saying this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you, friends. I implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Get right with God. Lean in with him. And I'll take a liberty and say, may your coffee times with Jesus be sweet. And then live for him. For the joy of the Lord Jesus, or for the joy of all people and the glory of God. Let's make this summer about Jesus. Let's anticipate that God has great gifts for us. And let's share the stories of his work in our hearts. God bless you guys. We're going to turn it over to the worship team.